Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Anybody excited to be here? I'm excited to be here tonight. My name is Pastor David. Um, if you're new with us, I am the discipleship pastor here. I'm over our Grow Classes and Faith Institute. And Pastor Jason mentioned this earlier, but we are launching uh, Grow Classes this Sunday. So you want to jump in and find one. Someone say amen. Amen. And we're just glad that you're here tonight. Come on, if you're new with us, we're so grateful you're here. If you're joining us from Easter, come on, we're so glad that you're here. We believe that the best is yet to come for you and your family. We believe we're here to impact a city with the name of Jesus. Someone believes in the house. Say say amen. Come on, we believe that tonight. Well, I want to welcome you. If you're joining us online somewhere, if you're in the atrium, we're glad that you're joining us today. And tonight, I want you to get excited because we're kicking off a new series on the book of Genesis. Come on. How many of you love the Bible? Come on. How many of you love the Bible? And our missionaries over here, man, your daughter's name is Eden. We're going to be talking about that today. So it's going to be really good. I think that was a little cool thing that God did. And what I'm excited about with the book of Genesis, and I want to encourage everybody in this room, over the next like four to five weeks, Can we just all jump in, like, in our own private time and read the book of Genesis? Come on, can we all just open up the Bible and really just allow the book of Genesis to minister to us? Because I can tell you one thing about Genesis. It's not just some ancient book that doesn't apply to us today. It's a book that's more relevant than ever. And you're going to see it, and you're going to be like, wow, this describes our world right now. We're going to look in the book of Genesis, and I want you to get excited because the book of Genesis is more relevant than it's ever been. If if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to Scripture, the the book of Genesis is the first book in the Bible. It makes up um, what we call the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. In Judaism, they call it the Torah, and it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Anybody know the other two? Yeah, Numbers and Deuteronomy. There you go. And we're doing a little study tonight, and you might be thinking, why study Genesis? Like, why study Genesis? And tonight, I believe that we're going to learn from Genesis that it's more applicable than ever, that it's not just a bunch of people in history that God was moving in then, and it doesn't apply to us now, but it applies to us now more than ever. So let me pray, and then we're going to jump into the scripture. Does that sound good? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for uh, your scripture. Thank you for your word. God, as we get into your word, I pray that you would speak to us and and speak clearly. The book of Genesis is a, it it, it will speak profoundly to us if we open up um, our hearts and our minds to what you want to say. So tonight in this room, we do that. We believe you're going to speak to us in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, can you say amen? So Genesis is really divided into two parts. Really, chapters 1 through 11 um, are the story about God creating the world, creating an Adam and Eve. And chapters 12 through 50 are really the story about Abraham and his family. And there's really a hinge in, in chapter 12, but today we're going to be looking at the first few chapters. And um, 
I believe that we can see a few things happen in Genesis. The first thing that I think we can see is this. Through Genesis, we understand God's relationship to creation. Come on, just look around. Man, look at the people around you. Think about outside. Like, God is a creator. Like, he made everything. Like, he made you. He made me. He made everything that we see in this world. He is a creator. And through Genesis, we can see God's relationship to creation. So the book begins with God taking all the disorder, all the darkness, all the chaos, and through himself, he creates this world where life can flourish, and he begins to create Adam and Eve and, and all of creation that we see. And um, let's read, and, let, and let's see how this begins. The first day is day and night. Come on, day and night. Genesis chapter 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was, someone say the next word, good. Yeah, God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So on this first day, God spoke, and there was light, and there was day. And I'm already laughing in, like, inside because we have already managed to mess up God's creation with daylight savings time. Anybody with me? Like, we have already messed it up. Every time we get daylight savings time, whether we gain an hour or we lose an hour, it just messes me up. Does anybody else get messed up? It takes me a month to get used to it. So we've, as, as people, we've already messed up like what the first day of creation is. Day two, God creates the sky and the sea. Verse six, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. How cool is that? Day, uh, day three. God creates dry ground and vegetation. Here, here we go for all my plant people. Any plant ladies in the building? Come on, someone say yes. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters and he called seas. And God saw that it was what? Good. We're going to see this a bunch of times. Day four, God creates the sun and the stars and the moon. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, to govern the different times of day. And then it says here, and God saw that it was good. Good. Is it okay if we read some scripture tonight? Yeah, is it good? I'm trying, I'm gonna try to read quick because because I, I know we're gonna we're gonna cover some stuff, but some of you have never read Genesis before. So if this is your first time, this is gonna this is gonna really um, show you what what God did in the beginning of creation. It's just powerful. Day five, God creates birds and sea creatures. All right, so day five is an interesting day. God said, let the water teem with living creatures. I guess this is where we got some sharks. Anybody else not go that deep in the ocean? I, I go about this deep, and that's, that's it. I, I can't get out there. And then it goes on to say, and let birds fly above the earth and across the vaults of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which water teems and it moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was 
Good, yeah, this is good, this is good. Day six, God creates animals and then mankind. So we're going through these days just to, to, to paint this, to allow God to paint this picture of, 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 these, of this moment of creation. I, I just want us to see that today. And day six, God creates animals and then mankind. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds. So we have all these kinds. So we have all of these different um, parts, subspecies and animals, and God saw that it was good. Verse 26, now check this out. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may do what? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. What's interesting here is that God, in, through scripture, he, he doesn't say, let me make mankind in my image, but he says, let us make mankind in our image. Isn't that interesting? So this is where we really start to get that distinction that God is is one entity, he is one God, but he is many parts. And this is where we start to see the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, start to emerge from the very first book of the Bible. And um, what's so fascinating about this is from the beginning where God is already speaking who he is. Let's go on. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. So you and me, we're created in the image of God. That should minister to us right now that we're not a mistake, that we're not an accident, that everything about us, we were created in the image of God. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in, in number. Um, and then verse 29, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Just pause real quick. So we all started out as vegans, all right? Everybody, we started out as vegans. Thankfully, the Lord, um, the Lord changed that for us in Genesis 9-3 where he tells us that we can eat of everything, just no blood in it, Right? So animals, us, we started out as vegan, right? And then it gets changed in Genesis chapter nine, but it's so powerful that in this scripture, God is saying, you're made in my image, male and female, I created you. So we're already starting to see that right now, what used to be something so simple, the, war, the world is now at war at, right? The world is now at war with the creator, whether they realize it or not. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. Verse 31, it says this, God saw all that he had made, and what did he say after this? It was, no, if you said good, you're wrong. You just need to slap yourself. It was very good. Come on, someone say very good. It was very good. God said for the first time, it was very good. Before this, he said it five times that it was good. And now he says it was very good. Yeah, come on, preach it. And then it takes us to the seventh day. God rested. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day. Man, this is so powerful because um, you might think, well, why did God need to rest? Well, he didn't need to rest. 
He has all the strength, all the energy. The scriptures say he never sleeps, he never slumbers, but yet he rested. And what I think is powerful about this is that God is already modeling for us uh, a, a rhythm that we need to have, that we need to be people that know how to rest, that we know how to slow down, that we know how to stop and rest for uh, our mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. Like God is already showing us how important it is that we rest, that we have a time and a day where we're not working, where we're just having a time where we can trust God, we can worship, we can renew, we can rejuvenate. So if you're in the room today and you're working seven days a week, can I just tell you, you can give a day back to God and trust him that he'll meet all of your needs. He will meet all of your needs. Just like the tithe, we return the tithe to the Lord. The, the Sabbath day is a day that we essentially return back to him and say, I can rest and I can trust you. Someone say amen. That's what we can do. In fact, in Exodus chapter 20, the Lord makes it a commandment. So you better rest or, it, or we're gonna have problems. Like God is like, you need to rest. This is so important. Keep this Keep a day holy and set apart unto me. So God has created this incredible universe, this planet that we live on. He's populated it with animals and seeds and he's filled the ocean and he's now created a man. And we can see through Genesis, God's creation. He is the creator. He is the origin of all that we see. He spoke it and it came to be. And Genesis informs us and shows us that we were not part of a big bang Come on, we were not part of a bunch of cells coming together that eventually formed a man, a woman, and animals. We were not part of some big cosmic mistake, but we were created on purpose. And everything that you see all around this world was a result of a God who created it. But isn't the world waging war against that? So this is why Genesis is so important, and as we get into it over the, over the coming weeks, you're going to see how important Genesis really is. The second thing that Genesis shows us is this. Through Genesis, we can understand God's relationship to humanity. Uh, this, the, verse 5 says, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. How interesting is this? No one to work the ground. We're already starting to see God's relationship to humanity that we're not just another animal, but we have purpose. We're not just a, another created being that uh, it, he just put here. No, there's something different. There's purpose on us. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. Come on. And he there put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. How many of you have heard of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and the tree of life, right? I feel like even if you don't go to church, you've heard about this tree, you've heard about these trees, you've heard about the Garden of Eden, and let's see what happens. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. There's purpose again. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. 
So God starts to establish this relationship with humanity that we're just not another being, but we have responsibility. We have purpose. There's something more to why we were, why we were uh, put on this earth. And he says, you can do anything. You can work. Please work. Just do not eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we'll get back to that in a second. But something very interesting happens with God's relationship to humanity in verse 19. It says this, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. I don't know about you, but I'm fascinated by this, that, that God said, okay, all the animals are here, and you're going to name them, and whatever you call them, I'm going to call them that. I mean, think about that. If you were God, would that be your thought? I mean, as a parent, no, my kids are going to call everything, I'm going to name it, like, whatever it is, that's going to be the name. Like, I wouldn't say, hey, you name it, and I'm just going to call it that. Funny thing, this actually happened to us, though. When my kids were really little, they had a name for something, and it was just so cute that we kept it. And whenever it was time for a bath or to get in the bathtub, my little kids called it Blop, B-L-O-P, Blop, time to get in the Blop. And they love to say it, time to get in. And my son even like kind of said it with like spit, you know what I mean? Like he rattled his tongue a little bit, like blop, you know, like it's just a funny, like weird thing. And it was so cute that we kept it. Like, all right, it's time to get in the blop. It's time to get in the blop. Like it's time to get in the blop. And they loved it. And it's funny that, um, that our creator God said to Adam, hey, you name all of these animals and whatever you call it, that's what I'm gonna call it. I think God's just so amazing. So we're no longer naming animals, but God spoke these things into existence. He spoke Adam into existence. He spoke um, uh, his purpose into existence. And what I think is so powerful about the liberty that he gave Adam is I think he was also showing Adam that there's power in your words. There's power in what you say. What you say has meaning. It's important. So everybody in this room, I want to encourage you that your words have meaning and power. That what you say, what you pray, what you speak over yourself, what you believe about yourself, what you pray over your kids, what you speak over your job, your words matter. How many of you know there's power of life and death in the tongue? And I believe that as faith assembly here in Orlando, we need to be people that speak life, speak faith everywhere that we go, and every person that we talk to, we are speaking life and faith over our kids. We're speaking life and faith, and I believe that faith meets heaven, and then heaven opens up upon the things that we are believing for, that we are praying over. There is power in, of life and death in the tongue. So Adam names these animals, but then God says something really important in verse 18. He says this, the Lord God said, it's what? Not good. It is not good. So we went from God saying it's good five times, it's very good one time, and now he's saying it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. This is the first time God says something is not good. And just like Genesis continues to say these really important things about life and our humanity and God's will for us, I believe that this also speaks another thing that's important for us too is that it's not good for us to be isolated. 
Come on, it's not good for us to live alone. It's not good for us to live our life alone. It's not good for us to have no one in our life, no one in community. It's not good for that. And I believe if you're in this room today, you're probably, um, yeah, I wanna commend you because you're making those steps to stay connected. We are meant for relationship. And here at the church, if you don't have something that is just pulling on you relationship-wise, you need to be a part of something, whether it's jumping into the starting point intensive on, on Saturday or jumping into a grow class or a connect group or an outreach group or, or getting your kids in kids ministry, in youth ministry. We need to be connected, amen? And um, we have something here. I just want to mention it. It's called Journey of Faith. It launches this Sunday. We have hundreds of people going through it. Man, we, we've had, we've, I mean, it's just amazing what God is doing. And I want to invite anybody in this room where you're just like, man, I need connection. I just need breakthrough in my life. I need to just step up my spiritual life. We're launching it this Sunday, new semester at 11.15. There, there's a QR code on the screen. I'd encourage you, pull out your phone and uh, sign up for this, for this level. It's 10 weeks you're gonna be in community. You're gonna get breakthrough. It's gonna be powerful. We can sign you up in the lobby as well if you need help with that. But I would encourage you, get into this. You're gonna see your life change forever. Some will say amen. amen. Well, we gotta fight isolation. I just wanna mention, like, we can even be in isolation in our families. Like, you can be in your family, and it's you three or four and no more. I mean, can we be real about some things? Like, we need to break even out of that, and we need to, if you're a guy in this room, you need to have some guys around you. Ladies, you need to have some ladies around you. Like, we need to get out. We need to be connected, and, and Genesis really shows us that it's not good for us to be alone. So let's keep going. So let's see how God addresses this thing that is not good. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he's sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Genesis is full of distinctions. Genesis is full of first. And this is another first for us where we see God's plan for a man and a woman. First, we're made male and female. As we grow, then it is uh, God's will uh, to bring a man and a wife together to get out of their parents' home and to start a new life. And what used to seem so simple is now under attack. But we can learn through Genesis that marriage is the product and, the, and, and the, the man and the wife becoming one is the, the goal and is the intention for us as people. It's just amazing how simple yet powerful Genesis is. So let's keep going. Um, we're gonna look at chapter three right now. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I know we've all kind of heard of this tree before, but I want to talk about it for a little bit. So God tells Adam and Eve, you may not eat from this tree of good, of the knowledge of good and evil. So I want to ask the question, well, why would God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Have you ever thought that before? Why would God put this tree in the garden? If they would eat it, they would surely die. There would be a sin to eat of this tree. First, to answer the question, one of the questions about the tree is this tree, 
when God created creation, this tree was there. And remember, he said it was good. So this tree is a good tree. It's not a tree covered in demons. It's not a tree covered in spider webs and evil. God created this tree, and it's a good tree. And it's a good tree because God created it. See, what happened is, is God created this tree, and there seems to be a double source of knowledge here that if you eat of it, you increase your knowledge of good, but you also increase your knowledge of evil. I don't believe there's anything, in, in fact, there isn't anything wrong with the tree. It's what we do with the tree that's wrong. It's what happens with the tree that's wrong. So God, in this moment, he says, you are not allowed to eat of the tree. Could they have been allowed to eat of it at some point? Possibly. But at this moment, God says, you are not allowed to eat of the tree of good and evil. Perhaps they could have eaten it at some point. I kind of have thought about it like this. When scripture lays out marriage, we are to be pure until marriage, right? But... When we get married, that restriction that was there is no longer there. So what used to be a sin now turns into a blessing. So possibly this tree could have been like that. It could have been off limits forever and been a sin to eat of it forever. But everything that God makes is good. So this tree is good. But they were not allowed to touch it. I mean, it, it, it's a fascinating thing. I feel like I could research and, and study over and over, but this tree was off limits to them. And I think it's interesting that maybe there needed to be something in the garden that was off limits because how can you love a God? How can you love someone if you don't have to, to, to abide by that love? If everything is perfect, if there's no, no, no chance to ever go off and go off track, uh, how can you really know that you really are in right relationship? And I think that maybe in this moment, um, the tree could have represented that. It really reminds me of this um, old VH t VHS tape of me. I don't have it. I don't even know where it is. It's in probably an attic somewhere. Uh, but in this video recording of me, I'm probably four years old, and my parents had just bought this huge radio. Like, um, I think we might have a picture of what it might have looked like. Yeah, anybody from the 80s, yeah, remember that? <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of fans. Either you were the kid or you were the parent about to be the parent in my story. And in this VHS tape, I'm, 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 I'm walking slowly to go touch the radio. And I, I hear in the video, Dave, don't touch the radio, but I want to touch the radio. And I take another step, and I'm looking at them, you know, the, am I going to get in trouble? And I'm taking a step don't touch the radio. I take another step, and guess what? I ate of the apple. I opened it up. I'm pressing all of the things, all the buttons, and the VHS tape stops, and I probably get punished. But how can you blame a four-year-old for wanting to touch that? It's, I'm, I'm, I'm older now, and I want to touch it right now. But the thing was, is at that age, I was not allowed to, to touch that. I was given strict uh, rules by my parents to not touch that, but yet I still wanted to, and yet I still did, and thus I received a punishment for that. So here's what happens. Uh, the serpent comes in verse 3, and Scripture tells us about this serpent, and um, I don't have time to go into this, but this, this serpent um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, you might be thinking there's this tree with this magic fruit, it seems like, and there's the serpent, and what was the serpent? And he's talking. 
So what's the deal with the serpent? Was it Satan and was it just a talking snake? What's the deal? So here's the short answer. Scripture says a serpent. And then elaborate saying it was more crafty than any of the other wild animals. So it appears to actually be a snake. And the way, the way that Bible explains Satan and demons, are they are disembodied spirits who can even enter people and animals and influence them. For example, example Satan entered Judas. Even the Apostle Paul was influenced by Satan. A legion of demons entered a many pigs in Mark chapter 5 and took control of them. There's many scriptural instances of Satan and demons. The Lord even opened a donkey's mouth to speak in Numbers chapter 22. So there's even another um, there's even another reference of this, although not influenced by Satan. But I find our best proof of this to be from Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan, through this snake, does something when he speaks to Eve. He tells a lie, and he tells a truth at the same time. He says, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? I feel like that is what Satan is still doing to this day. He's getting us to ask this question, is it that bad? Did God really say? Did God really say there are two genders? Did God really say that's what marriage is? Did God really say this is how things are? Did God really say that? And that's still Satan's go-to for humanity. So what is God's response? And I'd love to invite the band back up. So they eat of the apple. They, they, they eat of the apple. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cold of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man. He says, where are you? And I want you to listen, if, tune into this. Because he says, where are you? Not because he doesn't know where Adam is, but... What's amazing about this moment is it's really God's first um, moment that he, he's offering repentance to Adam. He's offering a moment for Adam to come clean. And what does Adam say? Adam hides. And he says, what have you done? He says, the woman made me eat it. The woman gave it to me. He blames somebody else. So then God says the same thing to Eve. And what does Eve do? She blames the serpent. She blames the devil. So in this moment where they are allowed and, and have the opportunity to repent, do they repent? No, they don't repent. They say, somebody else made me do it. Somebody else caused me to do it. It's somebody else's fault. But God is so good that he still offers repentance. And, but in this moment, in their disobedience, they, they do have to endure some judgment. In their disobedience, we see Eve and all future women will now have pain in childbearing. That's a judgment. Someone say, ouch. <laughs> and as a result of their sin, there will now be conflict between the man and the woman. And for Adam... His judgment, his punishment would be now that he has to work by the sweat of his brow all the days of his life and to endure hardship in order to survive. In verse 22, it says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, 
knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. God is saying, Adam and Eve have now entered a new state. Our relationship is now ruptured and they've now entered a state where they are now experiencing sin and shame and the sinful nature is now a part of them. By this time, they have not eaten from the tree of life. If they would have eaten from the tree of life, they would have been able to live on for eternity in in those bodies. But they have not yet eaten from the tree of life. And God decides to cut them off from the garden and from the tree of life. But this is not just an act of judgment by itself, but it should really be considered an act of mercy to ensure that they don't live in that state of shame with that sinful nature for their entire life. Come on, think about yourself right now. Everybody in this room has a sinful nature. And God is so merciful and so loving that he does not allow us to eat from the tree of life right now because what would happen? You would remain in that state of sin and shame with your sinful nature for all of eternity. So what has God done? He's reconciled this problem. He has reconciled this situation. In Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says this, for if while we were God's enemies, that's what happens when we sin, in this moment they became that, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? So through this original sin, through this Uh, sin that we saw Adam and Eve commit that has been passed down. You're like, well, why would God allow all that to happen? Why would God allow all of this to happen? I would just ask you a question in the room. If you're a parent in the room or if you want to have kids in the room, if you knew your kids were going to rebel, get mad at you, say, I hate you, whatever, would you still want to have kids? Yeah, right? And that's God's desire. He still wants his kids. And it's up to us to say, I come back to you. I repent, Lord. I come back to you. I repent of my sins and I come back to you as my heavenly father. Amen. Let's clap for what Jesus has done. So tonight, as we think about what happened with Adam and Eve and we think about the state that we're in, we can know that God has made a way for us to have eternal life. That one day we will pass away and we will be made perfect and we will live with him without this nature that causes us to groan and fall away from God and that we have to contend with. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.